Welcome to Ravel, a roundtable show about how faith gets complex with the vast amount of information at our fingertips. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith, and for other people, it's been liberating. Take us, for example. I'm Stephen. I'm Josh. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of the American Christian spectrum, and as some of our beliefs migrate, we still feel like our theology is in process. Theology always has fundamentally been, and will always be, an exploratory dialogue. That alone is proof that faith raveling doesn't have to be a crisis, even if it feels like it. We don't have all the answers, so we want to use this show to model what it can look like to genuinely sort through beliefs in real time. So share a drink with us as we pull on the thread of our own pressing questions. Thanks for listening. Hello, 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 my friends, Stephen and Josh. Hello. I love your energy when you start the episode, Emily. Thank you. It's because I have no energy for the rest of my day, so (laughs) here you go. (laughs) You got to turn it on for the microphones. Dang, Skippy, I do. Um, so what are y'all drinking? Josh, I think you should go first. Yeah, I gave Steven a a warning. He's going to hate this. I'm drinking Uh, a delicious Topo Chico margarita hard seltzer. Wow. And I like it. I gave Elise a little taste of it, and she hates it, but I like it. I will admit, it's got a little bit of a chemically citrusness to it, but I think this is a better hard seltzer just on the grounds of the bubbles being better. The bubbles being better. Yes. Like, have you ever tried like a Truly or like a White Claw? Yeah. Those have decent flavor, but I think the bubbles are terrible. They like attack your throat. Okay. These, smooth. Smooth bubbles. I'm into it. Right. Smooth bubbles. What? (laughs) Is it just because it's Topo Chico that you think I would hate it? Yes. Wow. Look, LaCroix hasn't made a seltzer yet. Yet. That's, That's fair. If it was any other time in my life i would say look christians can disagree on this <laughs> uh, fun jokes yep. here in season two of ravel i poured myself a delightful uh guinness ah pint of guinness Delicious. classic yes i'm drinking one of my favorites a tetley a british blend tea with milk and sugar it's a big mug this is like a this is a big boy mug and if you didn't know, it's my topic this week. Uh, yeah, it, it feels is. like forever since I've had a topic. <laughs> Maybe it's because it has been forever. And that leads me to our topic, the idea of joy. It's a joy Ooh. to be back and recording. Steven is done with his turnaround, right? And also done with Christianity. Done with death. Christianity, that's right. No more of it. Woohoo! For Steven, at least. Sorry, I hope that um, wasn't too flippant, Steven. And no. joy in realizing that Saturday, June 17th, is my 29th birthday. Whoa. This is my birth week, y'all. And so I'm feeling joyful. Big I'm hype. feeling a lot of joy. So I want to talk about joy. I feel like we talk a lot about deconstruction and letting things go and grief and those are all great things but i want to talk about joy i want to talk about the things that bring us joy the things that we feel joyful about or in or with 
And I really just want this to be a feel good episode. I love that. Like to your point, we do talk about some hard things sometimes, but we also do talk literally all the time about like life giving theology. And like to your point, I think that it is not talked about enough that joy is listed as a fruit of the spirit. And as much as I think that the fruits of the spirit are listed in very like positive attribute ways, I think that joy is like so under talked about in Christianity. Thank you. What? Why? Okay. What is it about joy? Like I, before we got on mic, I told Stephen and Emily this story of me and Elise recently having this like crazy miscommunication and it was so freaking funny man like it was like we like could not understand each other and we were just laughing hysterically and like those moments of like inexplicable joy feel transcendent to me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and whether it's a comedian that you're watching or someone that you are very close with i think those moments are just so mysterious because like you can explain a joke or you can explain why it's funny but it is nowhere nowhere close to actually experiencing it Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah you gotta Mm -hmm. live it i think the thing about joy is joy is something that can't be experienced the exact same way twice Ooh, i take like you can't step into the same joy river twice (laughs) no you can't like i i've okay so i've only had one child i hope to have more in the future I don't think the joy that I experienced with my first child is going to necessarily be the same exact joy that I may have with a second child in the future. The joy, like I will experience joy, but how that comes about, the feelings that arise with it being in the moment, I don't think it'll be the exact same as when I had my first child. I think it's the same as like when you go to your first concert. The joy that you have was so unique that you still experience joy every other concert you go to, but it is not necessarily the same joy that you experienced in that initial experience of a concert. I think it changes. I think joy is very much a spontaneous, delightful, experiential quality Mm. that shouldn't be repeated because then really, is it joyful? Sure. Is joy always synonymous with happiness? Gladness, delight in the Greek. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting question because I think so many people do try to distinguish between joy and happiness. They try to like pen happiness as like fleeting or like lesser than joy, Mm. but joy being like uh, whether someone's putting it in theological terms or not. I think a lot of people pen joy as something deeper. Yeah. And I'm not entirely convinced that's true. Like they in English they feel too similar to me. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean that is uh I'm pretty sure that's C.S. Lewis's thesis of his book called Surprised by Joy is that it is different. That's how I was raised to think of it is like joy joy is not happiness. You can be sad and still full of joy. Mm. And honestly, I don't think I actually learned what any Christian meant by that. Because they would talk about the joy of the Lord, right? I don't think I actually understood what anyone meant by that until I watched Inside Out. <laughs> oh, what a great movie. Yeah, man. Does it matter if joy and happiness are the same or different? Like, I think part of the reason why I don't think it, they are is because I don't think it matters. Maybe not. Wait, say that again? 
like are joy and happiness different or are they just describing like different points on the scale of the feeling that is joy and happiness Mm. you know what i mean yeah i think like is it just that like joy is like the fullness of happiness or like joy is like happiness felt in the bones or something yeah i think joy joy is inner whereas happiness is an outward expression oh that's interesting i've never heard anyone try to use that framework but that's interesting like joy you may not be hopeful or happy all the time but you have joy when you trust in something or you have a reassurance about something but you're not always happy about it but i think happiness is more of an outward expression where you are pursuing happiness you are wanting to feel happy and to show that you are happy but you may not feel that way but you have joy in knowing that you're like you're safe you're secured you're you're taken care of type thing but yeah, I think joy is more inward, whereas happiness is outward. I actually really like that distinction. I think that leaves a lot of room for kind of at your core holding on to joy or delight, but not feeling the pressure to always make it outward, I guess. Mm-hmm. Both in like a maybe you're just tired, but also like real like bad circumstances can be upon you. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Or it could just be very content or this is going to sound bad. I don't want it to, but mundane, like just very, you know, ordinary, not extraordinary in any way, either positively or negatively. But to have this sort of middle line, you're feeling content, but you still have joy like mm. at your inner core. You still have a, a a joy within you. I feel like joy is one of those things that like, is never controversial in Christianity. Like <laughs> Agreed. Do you think that you have gone through any transformation with the way you've thought about joy? Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. I remember like late middle school, early high school, having this idea that joy was something that had to be earned in a way in a kind of bizarre way like i had to it was something i had to obtain and through crazy life circumstances and just getting older i've learned that joy is definitely something that you create and something that you are invited to be a part of it's always there i feel that it's not exclusionary it's not bias and I don't think it's something that can entirely be lost. I think we cannot experience joy, but that doesn't mean that the potential for joy disappears. I fullheartedly believe that joy is readily there and you can experience it. However, that is not to say that those who suffer from mental health issues, right, don't get to experience joy or they just readily have the choice to choose joy or happiness. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, is we are invited and have permission to say joy is here. You can have joy. No one's saying you can't have joy. If mm. people are trying to take it away from you, if people are trying to make you feel small, make you feel unworthy, try to put up a checklist of the things that you need to qualify for in order to obtain joy. 
that is not joy, my friend. Joy is readily available for all people. There is no qualifying demands to have or experience joy. Yeah, I like that you're making space for the experience of like, man, I I just don't feel happy right now or I don't feel joyful because I think some of it can be toxic in a way when Mm -hmm. a community is like, choose joy, brother. Just like turn that frown upside down. I don't know why I'm using this accent, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of toxicity that can come from that because it's almost just a like a spiritual bypassing of sorts to say like, well, we don't, we don't, we don't want to think about the bad feelings that we can have. We don't want to recognize those as real. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also I think choosing to err on the side of joy can be a very like powerful cognitive tool. And I, I think that's like hard to say in the context of Mm -hmm. things like spiritual bypassing. Like for instance, I don't think I've ever been told like, ignore the bad things but i think that sometimes i maybe unconsciously do that in a way like i Mm. i think that i kind of don't know how to describe it but like multiple people throughout my life have like said something to the effect of i don't understand how you're so happy all the time and part of me is like uh i don't know either like i i don't know like I think sometimes i like consciously choose to be like say in a customer service setting and you like put on a smile and there is legitimate research about how smiling more literally changes your brain and your mood and like the long-term patterns of your brain. Mm -hmm. Like, of course there are limitations, but like there is a real psychological cognitive effect by forcing yourself to act in a certain way. I would also say the same is true for negativity. Like, like you can create these like positive feedback loops not positive good, but like positive as in it like makes itself reoccur. And I think the same can be said for joy. I also think that there is this immense pressure in Christianity to be joyful. Yeah, exactly. Where do you think that comes from? Like, do you feel like you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Yeah, I mean... Or do you feel like you've experienced mm -hmm. that yourself? Isn't that kind of an idea of like, count it every joy, brethren, when you are persecuted for the sake of Christ? Well, I didn't think about that verse, but that is a verse. Yeah. The verse that came to my mind was the joy of the Lord is our strength. I feel like I heard that talked about a lot. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. I don't know that song. We bow down and worship you now. Oh, how great. I do. How awesome is he? That might be one of the better worship songs ever written pretty good the melody is sticky for sure that's a that's a banger yeah. might be mm-hmm. it's fun to play on drums it's very fun to play on drums chris tomlin I... that guy kind of knows what he's doing he does yes i have a question wait no hold on i'm sorry emily no wait 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 wait. yeah we're answering my question yeah oh, okay. right I'm... emily i would yes. i would like you to hold on to your question please jot it down in I'm your holding notebook. on to it because i bring me it. so much joy to answer my question i wanted to reflect the question back to josh and let him answer oh, his yes. own question and ask him if his That's views fair. of joy have changed within or without christianity mm-hmm. over time i'm not sure like kind of going along with that next question that i asked about like like, do you feel like, you know, the pressure of Christianity to be joyful? Mm -hmm. Like, is that a universal experience or not? Mm -hmm. In some ways, I do feel like there's a uniquely charismatic joy. 
like in charismatic Pentecostalism, there is an ecstatic experience that I think is very unique phenomenologically, (laughs) like in the phenomenon of it, it is unique compared to quote unquote just or only the transcendent feeling of worship. Like when you are, when you are feeling like worshipful in a worship production and like you know that it's all these like micro moments adding up to everything but even then you still feel transcendent Mm. i think that there's like beyond that not that it's better than but like in addition to that i think that there is a very unique charismatic joy that emanates in those spaces that is sometimes involving worship sometimes involving prayer sometimes not involving either of those like I think it's borderline mystical experience. I think that the charismatics are like maybe the like most mainstream form of like Christian mysticism that is alive today, in my opinion. Oh, um, yeah. And the the joy that is experienced in those spaces, I think, is extremely moving. And I think that it can. This is me speaking from experience, obviously, but I think that it can contribute to a pressure to be joyful. In that there's like a social reinforcement when you see other people around you who are joyful, but like also have you ever worked in a very positive workplace where like everybody loves you and like it's clearly like (laughs) genuine, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's not like a manipulating type of love that people are like trying to like love you for reasons necessarily, but it's like a very loving hippie like community. Like you just like everyone gets along it's a great time like that like that's a socially reinforcing uh environment Mm. and i think the same is true of like charismaticism but not to just like completely explain it away but i i I really think that it's a very unique type of christian joy and i remember experiencing that and it's like a very visceral Mm. feeling and i i think that partly what it can cause in people um regardless of people's intentions i think that it can cause people to a be depressive like in a very like mountain valley kind of dynamic like you like go to an event or a conference or a church camp and it is just this like peak joy you're like oh my god god is real this joy proves it like i've never Mm. felt anything like this yeah it's not that like you're necessarily feeling supernatural or like you're feeling like heat or electricity in your body, like those phenomenons might happen as well in those spaces. I um, mean, people attribute it to God, but I think that the joy is so much more prominent. And I think that it can cause people to become depressive inadvertently. But I also think that it causes people to like pleasure seek, for lack of a better word, yeah. both in the church and out of the church. Like, for instance, well, I think it causes some people to lean more into charismaticism. And then I think it also causes people to like, lean into other things because they like think that they can experience that joy yeah in other ways or it causes gatekeeping when members of the community say you haven't actually been saved until you've spoken in tongues Mm. or yes yes and or you haven't experienced true joy until you felt the joy of the lord yeah like that is a very real thing that's the generic version of it the specific one that i uh, encountered at a church here in billings was i'm not sure you're saved you haven't spoken in tongues in your prayer language yet that's wild. Like, yeah, usually it's framed as like, right, well, you felt happiness. You think you felt joy. Yeah. And I know people mean well. Like, I, I really think people mean well um, when they have those beliefs. But all of that to say, this was a very long winded answer, but all of that to say, I'm not sure I've felt anything like that since. Mm. Mm. 
And I think that we can acknowledge like that there are factors in those environments that like aid in an individual feeling certain waves of ecstasy that are not drug induced. And I'm, I'm not sure that I'm still chasing it either. Like mm. I think for a long time I was like wanting to go back to conferences and going back to church camp and like helping other people feel, feel God in those spaces. I think a lot of people like attribute the feeling as feeling God. And I think in many ways that can be true <laughs> on an existential level. Like if you think you are experiencing God and you believe God is everywhere and in everything, then fundamentally for you, you are experiencing God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Well, what, what am I trying to say here? I guess what I'm trying to say is I think joy is very human. Mm. And I think that it can also be very life shaping. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's Definitely. in terms of like, theologizing about it or you're choosing joy or you're choosing to protect your joy. I want to talk about protecting your peace at some point, but I think that like protecting your joy can be a real thing. So I guess in some ways it has changed for me, but I think it's been one of those things in my unraveling over time that was maybe more like back burner. You know what I mean? Like kind of going back to the point of like, I feel like joy is never that controversial. I think that like maybe my beliefs about joy have changed and I kind of just haven't noticed it. Yeah. But I also, I think I still believe that joy is like very important to the human experience. I'm just not sure I think about joy in theological ways anymore. We just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. Emily, what were you going to ask yeah. when I cut you off and demanded that we answer my question? I no, was I going, know. which, no, I really am glad. I am so joyful that you shared your answer. Oh. Um, my question was, were there things that gave you joy that no longer give you joy? That's question Ooh. one. Oh. Or, or are there things that give you joy that others would say is really wacky? <laughs> two, two questions you can answer, either or or both. I miss the joy of playing drums Oh, in a very, I've been thinking about it a lot lately, both, both in regards to playing in church and not playing in church with my friends. And it is, it's not a matter of like, I don't find joy in it anymore. It's more of like factually, like I, I miss that. Like, cause I mm -hmm. don't have that right now. Yeah. <laughs> that is probably oh. the best example for me right now. No, that's a great example. <laughs> and it's, it's sad. Like it's, it's hard to not be sad about that. 
but I think that that's a very like that's just such a reality for so many of us like w- like whether or not we want to return to things that previously have given us joy I think it's still hard to exist without things that have given us joy in the past yeah whether or not we want to return to them whether that's exactly. church related or not and I think that from it's like I, I don't know which one's harder honestly because I've like had both experiences of like ooh that thing that used to bring me joy I don't have it anymore and I don't want it anymore but I still kind of miss it Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then it then it brings up the post event pleasure of nostalgia, right? Yeah, enjoy the joy later. <laughs> this is basically what's happening there. Yeah, I th- I think there are some big things that I would say like I used to find joy in, and now I don't. But on the small scale, what immediately came to mind is that feeling of this used to be my favorite podcast to listen to. I'm not saying Ravel, but like. Take any podcast that you've ever listened to and you're like, this used to be my favorite. And now it just doesn't hit the same. Like, I don't know if the hosts changed or the format changed or something, but it's it's just not hitting the same. And I don't necessarily want to go back and like recontextualize the beginning of it because mm-hmm. I don't want to like recolor those memories. And at the same time, like, yeah, you know, maybe I don't listen to every episode anymore, you know, kind yeah. of like. That is a weird feeling. That's how I feel with music. Mm. Like songs that I used to listen to all the time and then I hear it on the radio or like I hear it on a playlist on like Spotify or something and I go, hmm, you know, it just doesn't doesn't hit me the same. Why am I listening to this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think there is a lot of um, like seasonality or for like for like a time and a place. Ah, uh, yeah energy that comes with a lot of those things and i think i've really been into this metaphor of new wine requiring new wine skins mm-hmm. that comes from mm-hmm. the bible and i think just like the recontextualization that happens throughout our lives i think understanding that yes old wine is valuable because then it's vintage right and there's there's characters and there's notes of that wine that come out in its age. It kind of has to age along with its vessel for them both to like serve each other best. Right. Yeah. But if you tried to just, if you try to put that in a new container, it doesn't really work. Yeah. I think that metaphor is so powerful for describing things like faith shift or for you have a new favorite podcast. (laughs) Right. That made me think of a country song. <laughs> oh, what? Really? There might be a little dust on the bottle. Don't <laughs> let it fool you about what's inside. There wow. might be a little dust on the bottle. Just one of those things that gets sweeter with time. There you go. You're welcome. Wow, that was actually very relevant. I had no idea where you were going to go with that because I don't listen to country. <laughs> yeah. But that was, that was very on point. Yeah. Oh, yeah thank totally. you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. I didn't doubt you for a second. So my second question, are there things that bring you joy that people would just think are so bizarre or totally out there? Mm. Or they go, really? That brings you joy? I, the absurd brings me so much joy. And okay, I, see, yes. I love, I love that the absurd is just so ridiculous and that other people think it's ridiculous. And all of that brings me so much joy. And then, like yes it's just so much like the other day so like i work in i work in the coffee industry and 
<laughs> I like I like had uh had a cup full of milk and cereal and I go I go to one of my coworkers and I'm like, you know, there's a point at which the vol there's a, there's a volume of milk in which it's n- it would not be terrible to have espresso in the milk with your cereal. But I don't know what volume that's at. <laughs> like would that have to be a lot of milk or would it actually be like a normal like latte amount of milk? Oh. For like the the espresso latte situation to be good in cereal, like because it'd have to be a lot, it'd have to be a good amount of milk that it would cool the espresso down. Because warm milk in cereal is weird, so like either you'd have to chill the espresso or not. And surely I'm not the first person to think of this, but like I don't know how much I want to experiment with this when I just want cereal. Or if you wanted your espresso <laughs> hot, couldn't you just replace the cereal with oatmeal? Yeah, that's I mean, that's a whole technically sure, but like that's I, hot cereal. Yeah, that's a whole nother category. So what? That might that's going to be easier because you could just put the espresso in your oatmeal. And it would probably be really good. Yeah, but again, you'd have to do like at what volume of water to, should exactly. you do compared to the espresso because you don't want it to be too watery. Sure, and, you, know, you don't want it to be too strong either. So you know, it's a science. It is. Mm-hmm. But like those, I love wondering about like absurd things like that. That like. Could like could be very real and good. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I I love it when quandaries are posed that just sound and you are you argue them as if they're such a big deal, but they truly just don't matter. Like this territory we're in, Josh, of like what would be the like you're you're going through all these scenarios, like trying to do like science to it, right? And it's like, yeah. what are we talking about? <laughs> Putting coffee in cereal milk? One of my favorite things to do uh at uh, like dinners with friends or we're out drinking i have two just go-to questions that i i love just starting stupid oh, little arguments no. and fights around the table with. one of them is one of them how many holes does a straw have no no and it's not even is a hot dog a sandwich my first question is is face head <laughs> like is, is face head is face head okay. and my second question is <laughs> butt legs Wait, what? Is butt legs. Like is butt legs. Is your butt just like the top of your legs? Or is there something else happening? No. I think both. I think face no. is head and butt is legs. They're f- no, do you yeah. do you Oh my god. So like if you asked me to scratch your head and I scratched your cheek, would that count? Is face head? No. I mean I think it's a part of the head. Exactly. As is the scalp. Mm-hmm. It's all head. If I wanted you to scratch my scalp, I should have said scalp. All of head is head. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so like, I don't Goodness. know. I just, I love stupid little things like that. I I find so much delight. Plus they're sentences that are just really fun to say. And they're complete sentences. Like, is butt head? No. Is butt legs? No. <laughs> <laughs> I messed it up. I'm so sorry. That's even funnier though. <laughs> is butt head? <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad we're um, all on the same line yeah this is great yeah uh the other one that i find a uh, silly little delight silly joy in i just texted you guys a photo um and it's just a screenshot of my twitter bio but i love the banner photo oh my god <laughs> i just love <laughs> this is the most this is the most like 3D blender bad photo I've it's, ever seen of Bob and Larry the, from VeggieTales. The caption like when I found so when I found this photo on the internet, the caption literally was when Bob and Larry do acid for the first time. Of course. 
and it's my favorite thing because i have run into scenarios thrice now where i will tweet something and then someone will like screenshot my bio and be like wow he would have pronouns in his bio or whatever but i just love yeah i love that it's inextricable from this dumbass photo of bob and larry (laughs) (laughs) it's just oh i find so much delight in it it's so funny to me you know what brings me joy? Yeah, yeah. Dad jokes. Dad jokes. Dad jokes. Of Did course. you know that trees poop? What? No. Uh, Did you know that trees poop? No. Where do you think we get number two pencils from? <laughs> nice. Well played. <laughs> I love them. I love dad jokes so much. I have a gentleman in my congregation who... He is supposed to every week tell me a dad joke. He's on vacation right now. Brian, when you're listening to this, I know you'll be back from vacation, but you owe me some dad jokes because it just there's something about a dad joke that says I am intentionally creating space to tell you something that I think is funny, but really it's just stupid. Yeah, right. And the fact that I want to share this stupid moment with you means that you matter to me on a level that's so deep and so intentional and so wonderful because let's be real i don't tell dad jokes to every single person i probably should start doing that i think that'd be hilarious like just at, in the grocery store you know the yeah the, of course <laughs> that'd be great yeah but also you're never going to duplicate your relationship with somebody else Right, exactly. Right. So like whatever brings joy in a certain context or relationship exactly. or workplace is not going to be what brings you joy in another place that's the whole that's what started this whole joy conversation right oh. can't step in the same joy okay. river twice well with that said it's good how like do you how do you find joy and look for joy in faith unraveling steven i would love to hear from you Ooh. yes go Given first last steven. week's episode Ooh. i also want to hear from emily but i would love to hear from you how do i seek joy like are you asking like if I have like a completely new context for joy or, or have you de-Christianized and all of a sudden you are just a joyless have joy. human. Mm-hmm. I, I think I've de-Christianized <laughs> joy, but in a way that I, I find a lot of delight and joy in the human body that allows us to feel it. You know, it like we are set up to be joy and awe antennas potentially we were created that way, but we cannot deny the fact that we have the faculties to feel it and chase it down if we want it. Right. Like mm. I talk about like I'm on the juice. Right. I think that's part of joy is like when you're in the flow state or you're experiencing awe when you are at a concert, you know, for a childhood favorite band or you're looking at the stars and just listening to crickets around you. The first episode of the brand new season of the On Being podcast with Krista Tippett came out with Dr. Keltner. The episode is entitled The Thrilling New Science of Awe. Dr. Keltner, by the way, he founded the Greater Good Science Center at Berkeley. He's a professor there at the University of California, Berkeley of Psychology. He consulted in the movie, Pixar's Inside Out, and he was also called upon by what whoever the the dark cabal of people are who help us what uh make emojis like he was he was consulted in emoji creation of like does this emoji communicate the emotion that we're trying to you know i love that i love that his work is part of that but 
in this episode of on being, um, he talks about the vagus nerve, which is the center of the brain that is responsible for our feeling of awe. It's like, it's what gives us the Holy spirit goosebumps in a worship moment or again, looking at the stars or meeting your newborn for the first time, like the vagus nerve is what's activated. And that's what is dosing you with so many things that force you to be present, force you to be in your body and is just a fountain of audaciously free pleasure. It, like it doesn't exist in our brain, but to give us pleasure. And I, I freaking love that. That's so good. So, you know, when I when I heard the podcast, it was it was finally an answer that I had been looking for since the age of twelve. When I first felt the goosebumps at a church service when we were singing songs, and I raised my hands and I felt the goosebumps, and I was like, "Oh my god, I am touched by God!" Like all the shivers, the goosebumps, the chills, all that pleasure. I I love that. That is a physiological thing that our bodies can do for us. Josh, um, I think finding joy in faith unraveling means that I think of the song, I've got peace like a river, I've got love like the ocean, and I've got joy like a fountain. Fountains are very unique. Experiencing joy is very unique. And I think with faith unraveling, it's a very unique journey and process that certainly can be daunting, like certainly can be scary and it can also be life-giving and joyful and miraculous and wonderful and i think when we give ourselves permission to say i can experience joy even in this crazy time whether that's through the companionship of someone dear to you whether it's through the comforts of your home your a hobby like Stephen was saying, looking up at the stars, whether it's through music, through food, through museums, through going for a walk, you know, playing video games. It's seeking the things of comfort and joy in the midst of chaos and struggle and craziness. Mm. Because, like I had said earlier, joy is readily available. It's there for you to take and faith unraveling shouldn't be the thing that separates you from joy hell yeah i was gonna say basically the same thing because (laughs) i think that there is so much pressure to if you think you don't believe a anymore well therefore you need to decide what your b is that you're going to believe Mm -hmm. in because you need something else to believe in whether that's a specific belief or a specific tradition or a different faith And I think that that pressure to just like replace, like substitute belief, I think robs us of the the curiosity that that is imbued with doubt. And I don't think that you have to believe the right thing to experience joy. Emily, I think you hit it right on the head with like, like find the things that give you joy because like it doesn't, it shouldn't be rooted in just your belief. Like there should be other things that give you joy. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And therefore your faith unraveling doesn't need to rob you of joy. Correct. Yeah. Lest it sound, I'm aware of the fact that it may have felt like I just did not answer your question and just ranted oh, about no, how you're cool fine. No, you. the vagus nerve is. But basically like my reframing of joy is I don't necessarily need it to be the Holy Spirit that's giving me the goosebumps. I know it's a part of my brain that is doing its job. 
you know, and that's mm-hmm. enough right now. So like even amidst faith, uh, unraveling, like deconverting, you know, cause I'm in this classic, well, like what we've described all along about our metaphor of raveling is like, I have a lot of raw materials to sort through now, now that the sweater has completely stopped looking like a sweater that was Christianity. Like, mm. what do I make now? Do I make a beanie? Do I make some mittens or a nice blanket? You know, I don't know. But I think amidst that, like, I don't lose joy when I lose. Well, I didn't lose joy when I lost God in a way. And I, I feel secure enough in that to say, like, boy, like a lot of things can feel a little turbulent right now, but I know that it, it's still out there, you know? I would also add to find joy in the new things because I think that... In the new wineskins. Um, uh, yeah, in the new wineskins, the new wine. Like, there's, there's going to be things that give us joy temporarily for one reason or another. Yeah. And then in other points in our, our lives, we're going to experience new things that give us joy. And I'm convinced that that is just how aging works. <laughs> and I think that the sooner we accept that, the greater time we're going to have. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. <laughs> that that phrase gives me joy. I love having bits. I've been keeping track of like the bits that I do. Oh yeah. I love I love them. <laughs> it's the little things, you I, know. I like classic colloquialisms and sayings that are just like just messed up enough like on a tilt that it makes you like wait did he say that right like i have been saying harsh your yum a lot instead of harsh your vibe and yuck your yum i I just love that's funny combining those and just waiting to see if the person who is listening like hey you said that wrong for for the longest time i was saying pants down instead of hands down just to see if people would notice (laughs) pants down is my favorite bit that i've been doing that's funny (laughs) that's pants down my favorite bit you've shared but if you say it fast enough people question themselves they're like wait wait what did he <laughs> what did he just say is that just weird That's a so weird funny. was that just a weird verbal typo <laughs> <laughs> are there emily do you have any favorite bits very that you've been doing other than that dad jokes yeah emily do you tell more dad jokes than alex does oh yeah that's awesome oh yeah definitely that's mm-hmm. awesome It is the cornerstone of my being is dad jokes. I think any bits that I have are going to be RuPaul jokes from RuPaul's Drag Race. Like I'll be walking around. Someone will say something. I'll be like, yes, queen. And they'll look at me like, what did you just say? And I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm just really excited right now. (laughs) Or I'll say you better work. Mm, And that means like keep strutting your stuff. I have all sorts of them. (laughs) I could sit for hours and talk about RuPaul's Drag Race. That brings me joy. Beyond recognition. Um, of course. Are there any closing remarks? Anything you would like to add or share before uh, I say goodbye? I enjoy. I like that the verb of joy is enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoy you too. I was going to say the same thing. I really uh, enjoy God, you guys in doing this podcast. It. Beat you to it. Me too. Welcome to June. Welcome to season two. And mm-hmm. we're back on our grind. No more rebroadcast for us in the near future. That's right. Josh? Emily? Steven? Josh? Steven? Emily? I have some closing words for us today. What just happened? <laughs> what did just happen? <laughs> it's so hard for me not to laugh right now. What just happened? 
<laughs> what we just did was experience joy. The spontaneous, laughable, wonderful experience of joy. May we be a people of joy. May it live in our heart and may we share it with others. May we find comfort. May we find hope. May we find rest in knowing that joy is here and we want to be a part of it. And we love that you all are a part of it too. So keep listening to Ravel because there's so much more to be a part of. <laughs> <laughs>